Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right, my guest today is Tunku Dani Mutsafar, the founder of Microleap. For those of you who don't know, Microleap is a peer-to-peer financing platform that offers both Sharia compliant and conventional financing. Thank you very much for being here today, Danny. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Happy to be here. So take me back to the early days. How did you become an entrepreneur in the first place? And how did you land on wanting to launch Microleap? Okay, great. Um, so most of my working life, I've, I was an evil banker. Um, I had uh, stints in uh, London and KL, where um, I was part of the trading floor. Um, and what I found was that most of the kind of customers that we were, have, were helping were big, big corporates, um, especially in the financing deals, um, people who didn't really need the funds. When what I thought was... Um, so when I quit my job in 2017, I thought, where am I going to help uh, the, the kind of people that really need these, these kind of financing? Um, so I looked at the micro uh, financing um, space. So your micro enterprises, your mom and pop stores. Uh, my favorite example is your uh, machi in Kuala Pila that needs 10,000 ringgit. Um, these are the people that were finding it difficult to get bank loans. Uh, one, because, you know, um, banks prefer bigger ticket uh, items that make more money. They're not mm-hmm. so interested in the on, on the micro side. So I thought that was that was a space that that really needed helping. So uh, I decided maybe I'll, I'll do something in, in microfinancing. Uh, and then uh, I did a bit of research and found out that Malaysia was the first country in ASEAN to regulate peer to peer financing. So I thought, great, that, you know, kind of fits everything together. You know, crowdsource loans into small businesses it would be a perfect fit. And not many people were doing that exactly um, in a shark compliant manner as well. Um, so applied for the license from Securities Commission. Uh, and 20, 2019, we were given go live. So we started Microleap um, at that time. At first, uh, the shark compliant um, uh, kind of license wasn't given to us yet because we, we applied a bit too late and still going back and forth with Securities Commission. Um, so that was October 2019. Uh, March um, of 2020, we got our license to be shark compliant. And that's when we really saw our growth, you know, rocket rocket up. We were growing like a thousand percent in terms of funding dispersed in a space of six months. Um, and so it showed that people were hungry for kind of shark compliant retail assets. You know, like because on a platform with a minimum investment of only 50 ringgit, you can buy an investment note and help a small business get financing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the shark compliant nature really pushed it up. Uh, and I found that it wasn't the borrowers that that were um, that were pushing the growth in terms of shark compliant uh, financing, because at, at the end of the day, they don't 
really care what kind of financing they get because they just want the financing, right? It was yeah. more the investors that were pushing our growth. And that was something that was very uh, eye-opening for us. So and it helped that we were, yeah. Go it on. was really driven by the investor demand for Sharara compliant exactly. products. Yeah. yeah. And it also helped that we were in the start of the lockdowns. And so Bank Nagara and Malaysia were cutting interest rates. So people were looking for yield. Mm. So instead of, you know, um, the 3% and went down to 1% that Bank Nagara uh, official um, official uh, rates were, we were paying anywhere between 12 to 50% per annum. So that drove a lot of hot money into 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 our platform, which was great for us. Sure. And and the majority of these are short term, right? Uh, up to three years. So kind of medium term. Uh, okay. That time it was pure microfinancing between majority is two to three years. Um, and that was great. But uh, we then launched our invoice financing products, which is bigger ticket items. So the microfinance financing was 1000 ringgit to 50,000 ringgit. Um, the invoice financing was 50,000 ringgit to 500,000 500, ringgit. But that was very short term, three months and six months. Uh, and that um, was something that a lot of the investors wanted um, because they see, you always have this balancing act. The investors want short term. The borrowers want long term because it's um, they pay less per month. Right. Sure. But having this invoice financing kind of marries the two because it, it, there's we, we fit a need of short term financing that a lot of our investors want. Mm-hmm. So that's really grown our our kind of loan size um, you know, exponentially. Um, okay. But having said that, we still take care of the microfinancing side. We will never forget them because they are the ones who got us here in the first place. Mm-hmm. But now it seems that the invoice financing is growing uh, bigger than the microfinancing in, in, in our world. And that, that's more so driven again by the investor demand, more so than yeah. what, what people, what the borrowers are requesting, yeah? Exactly. It's, it's purely an invested amount. Um, mm. uh, so that's why we're always looking for investors because at the end of the day, people always need money. The borrowers will always come to us. But finding that, um, that funding gap to get the investors in has always, has always been our, our issue. Yeah, sure. I, I I imagine demand for funding is 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 never something that it's it's difficult to find people that are requiring borrowing, uh, whereas the supply of capital is is the tricky part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Okay. So take it. Take me back to the to, to the very earliest days when when you're just getting up and launching. How did you how did you establish? Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have to imagine that when you're talking about the smaller size loans and the smaller size financing, there's an administrative headache of managing a large number of borrowers, a large number of suppliers. So how did you how did tech fit into solving this part of the equation in order to make it feasible? Yeah. So we always started off as a fintech platform. That was very key uh, to us. So tech is a very big part of how our platform is made. Um, so in terms of what we did is we automated as much as we could in terms of um, credit uh, credit checking. So we built our own credit risk algorithm that takes in feed from our credit bureau, um, also in, um, uh, feed from the manual updating of the um of the uh of the application forms and stuff like that uh, and that comes out with a low medium to high risk and so our credit risk officer will just you know approve it and then it will go to the next step so that can that kind of thing is automated uh, as well 
but also in terms of automated for collections. So part of the financing, you always have to collect the funds back, right? So we have automated emails, uh, automated uh, WhatsApp messages, um, uh, and uh, these are set at certain times uh, before and, and after due date. So that helps with the collections as well. Um, so that's already been done. So the, the, the borrower knows that they have to pay. And then if it needs a nudge from one of our operations guys, then, then that will be the, the extra nudge. Okay. And that's what, that's when it may end up get, taking actual manpower to, to do it as opposed to the automated process. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So when you, when you initially launched, how, how easy was it to get borrowers on board onto the platform? Was it just basically getting the word out that you existed and the, the, as you know, since there's no shortage of demand that they just basically came running and, and, and looking for funding? Yeah. So first thing was, um, obviously we are on the Securities Commission website. So that mm-hmm. helps to know that we are. A, a regulated and licensed Securities Commission entity for mm-hmm. P2P financing, which is which helps give it give it trust in in the system. Um, but to to grow as well as obviously there's word of mouth, but we also use a lot of digital marketing efforts. So mm-hmm. we had a digital marketing agency uh, who we hired uh, who helped to to grow our um, our issuer um, uh, database, which is the borrowers, but also our investors. So we did a lot of digital marketing through Facebook, um, uh, Google paid ads, uh, Instagram, YouTube videos, um, and then have boosts here and there to to get the at the right target market we want. Um, we use a lot of target, targeted adverts, so we mm-hmm. knew kind of the the people that that were perfect to to get the borrowers on board. Um, so it's funny. First, we were advertising just on the on the borrowers in the beginning of our mm-hmm. journey. As soon as we had a lot more than the investors coming on, we had to switch the targeting to the investors sure. or lenders on the platform. So now it's more the, uh, the digital advertising is more on the on the on the investors or lenders on our platform. Okay, okay. And is 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 the digital marketing the primary lead source, or how do how do you actually attract the majority of the investors? Yeah, so digital marketing is one of them, but we also look at um, kind of tie-ups with with other companies. Mm-hmm. So we it's 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 just like for us to um, you know how get uh, get to the database. So they will send a, a, a le- le- um, electronic digital message or you know uh, to their database saying you know become a, a investor, Mike You know you get X Y. Uh, kind of privileges, etc. So that kind of tie up with other uh, companies. Obviously, not not competitors, but someone who um, was in uh, kind of some a fintech kind of space who had who had potential uh, database that 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 we could try to to mm-hmm. get. So that that helps as well. Okay. Okay. And so, and so you're, you 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 started you you started off building the borrower side. You had to pivot back over in order to get enough investors on board. Do you manage any sort of like matching ratio? Like when you get a borrower on on board, are you are you trying to manage towards any sort of like fill rate of what percent of the borrowers on your platform actually end up getting filled out? Um, yeah. So thankfully, um, all our borrowers actually get filled, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we do find that they do, they're not getting filled, um, what we do is, um, they will lower the ask amount. 
uh, and then we'll we'll send an email out to all investors. Um, this uh, person is low, the, the asking amount, uh, are you all fine or do you want to uh, retract your investment? Most are fine and then eventually it gets it gets filled. So sometimes it's a matter of they're asking too much mm-hmm. uh, and people not, not liking the investment enough to, to invest or lend into that amount. Um, but thankfully, everything has been um, uh, fully funded. Uh, we don't have a kind of matching percentage that we look at. Um, basically, we just look and, and have a feel of what we think will get funded and what won't get funded. Um, and we advise them, look, you're asking too much. It's lower the amount. Um, and this is your risk. This is your profit rate. That That's something that we come up with. They they can't change yet. Mm-hmm. So the the profit rate or interest rate is because of our credit rating. Okay. Um, so, so we go back. So this is what you're likely to get. And more or less, it, it seems to to work. Okay. How did you build out the credit rating in the first place? Because, uh, you know, when, you, when you're talking about the, these types of businesses and these types of borrowers, there's not a lot of credit history oftentimes because they're, they don't have the ability to access the, t- the traditional channels, let's say. Yeah. So for the microfinancing side, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, a lot of them don't have a thick credit file. They don't have a credit card. They don't have a bank loan. So what we've done is um, to input into our credit risk algorithm is um, a uh, we we hired a third party vendor that does psychometric testing. Mm-hmm. So um, so this micro enterprise will do a twenty question um, uh, psychometric test. Are you more likely to do A or B? Um, and from their research, this third party vendor will give us a full report of uh, their own rating or, and the likelihood that they will pay. So this. Uh, figure at the end will feed into our credit risk algorithm. And that helps to kind of have an alternative credit risk scoring together with our traditional stuff of, you know, our credit bureau, um, you know, the number of years they've been involved, the debt service ratio, et cetera. So we use both alternative and traditional for the micro enterprise, uh, microfinancing. Okay. Okay. And that, that basically automates the process with the exception of them having to fill out that form. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then that links to what the interest rate is. And that basically is the pre-qualified in order to get up onto the platform. Yeah. Yeah. We, the low, medium or high risk and uh, that credit rating is linked to your profit rate. Okay. Okay. And so, and so, you know, when, when, when you're, when you're scaling this up, uh, at, w- at what point do you kind of move the needle back and forth? Or was the, was the borrower side just upon its own inertia and that you don't need a market and, and keep onboarding that it just kind of keeps on filling and keeps on filling now that your name's out there? Yeah. Uh, now that the problem with the borrower side is the quality of borrowers you want. Mm. So you get a lot of borrowers who come in and fortunately, no matter how much we want to help them, we know that they they won't be able to pay us back in six months down the line. Um, and it's not us. When I say us, I mean the investors, the lenders, because mm-hmm. we're just mm-hmm. platform that, that matches, right? Sure. Um, so uh, so now it's the quality of borrowers is our, our issue. Um, the number of borrowers is fine. I mean, our, our rejection rate is actually now 60% rejection rate okay. um, in terms of borrowers. Um, so that's steadily been creeping up because we're just finding the credit quality of a lot of the borrowers are just not that strong enough to be on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fortunately, we just have to um, just make sure the right one comes along at the 40% that comes in, um, which is what we're, we're, we are always, um, which is challenging for us. 
Okay. Okay. And is, is, is a factor in some of those credit quality is as well play into the, the duration that they're requesting, uh, the longer the duration, the higher the credit risk, the less it's, it's likely to go through. If they changed it to a smaller amount on say six month to a year increments, would, would it, would it, does that affect the model? It does. Yeah. So a lot of them, when they come in, especially the, the microfinancing side, all of them want our maximum tenor, which is mm. three years. Uh, but we go back and we say, look, Three years is too much. Uh, the investors, it's a bit risky and the investors are not liking something that long now. We shift it down to 18 months or two years. Um, and then we check the debt service ratio. Uh, if they can't afford it, then we say you got you have to ask for a lesser amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and those ones normally go through. So we do go back and forth with them uh, and seeing what exactly they can afford uh, and what they can't. I mean, the last thing we want to do is is get all our investors to lend to um, you know a company that we that goes bankrupt in six months. That doesn't look good for us. Our default rates go up, um, and then people won't come onto our platform. Sure. sure. So all our default rates under Securities Commission we must show. So every single platform operator has has a default rate. Ours, thankfully, is still quite low at, at one point one three percent. Um, the default rate for P two P financing in the market ranges from zero percent. All the way up to thirteen percent, so that's quite quite big range. Okay, okay, yeah, it's certainly certainly on the on the lower end of it. Uh, uh, at one point one three percent, that's 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 better than many banks out there, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, perfect. So that navigate me through the process. You 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 initially had the conventional license. You ended up getting the Shariah license, which ended up kind of catapulting you forward. So tell me a little yeah. bit about how you ended up incrementing new products into into it, and what was the decision on on adding those those additional services? Yeah. So the shy compliant part was always uh, in in the forefront of my mind because um, I thought there wasn't there was only one shy compliant P two P financing operator in uh, when we would go live in twenty nineteen, and they weren't doing that much. So I was like, there's a huge gap. And I mean, Malaysia is in terms of global markets and capital markets with number one player in, in Sukuk. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is there no one doing share compliant uh, except for us when we we, we applied? Um, so we applied and because of we were the one only one that was active. You know, we were invited on several talks with um, uh, several uh, webinars, etc. Uh, and people were seeing MicroLeap as a as a uh, uh, number one child compliant P2P financing operator in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Having said that, 2022, we now have seven child compliant P2P <laughs> operators. Success brings competition, yeah? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So um, so now from, from two in 2019, 2022, seven out of 11 are now child compliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone is, so child compliant, is being uh, commoditized now. It's 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 a given. Mm-hmm. So from that, you have to see that what is this that you what is it that's going to make you rise above the others? You know, is it going to be your service, your technology, um, and that's what us and everyone else is now fighting for. Um, so we always look at at the gaps in the market of what we want to do, and and child compliant was a gap uh, when we first started, um, and then when we looked at invoice financing, uh, we were like, what what is it that the investors want? They always want short-term investments. The shorter, um, all the our, all our short-term notes get filled up very, very quickly. Longer term, the six, eighteen months, two years will take a bit, several weeks longer. Mm-hmm. 
So we looked at and we looked at the market and and everyone was doing um, invoice financing, especially the P2P markets. Mostly is is invoice financing. Um, not many were doing shy compliant invoice financing. So that's something that we uh, we launched as well. Okay. Okay. So th- for the, for those that may not be familiar with uh, invoice financing or Sharia compliant invoice financing, can you can you just uh, explain it to its most basic components of what that what that entails? Yeah. So basically, it's financing an invoice. Um, so, for example, normally when you um, supply something uh, to your client, or uh, for example, you um, Coca Cola is your client and you deliver. Uh, the bottles up and down the country, Coca-Cola won't pay you for three months, but you need that money now. So what do you do? You bring that invoice to a PTP financing operator such as ours or any other factoring company or invoice financing company. They will normally finance 80% of the invoice now. Um, and then in three months time when Coca-Cola pays, um, the the financing is done. Okay, perfect, perfect. So you know, this begs the question that as you're as you're building out this additional this additional service, how how are you extending your credit model into analyzing this? Because I imagine you now have the 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 person who has the 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 obligation to pay your actual borrower. So you may you have what two tiers of different uh, due diligence that you have to go through. Yeah, exactly. So we always the borrower is, is one level. That's who who requested the the financing, um, and the paymaster we call it the ultimate paymaster who pays mm-hmm. at the end is 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 the one we also have to credit check. So our model is now has for invoice financing has two layers: um, the applicant or borrower and the paymaster. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a bit more expensive, um, but that's what has to be done, especially if that pay, ultimate paymaster is. Um, an importer in, say, South Korea, for example. Sure. So one of our most successful ones is, is actually they export rubber gloves um, to South Korea, America, um, to a company that 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 has all these operations over there. So getting that credit report from South Korea and America is, is always very expensive, but mm-hmm. it has to be done, and that's what we have to re- rebuild uh, into our model. Okay. Okay, and so you you offer the service for for when when the paymaster is an international client, is the, is that a yes, common exactly. scenario or is that more on the less common? Um, it's 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 quite common now. It depends um how much work a invoice financing company wants or a factoring company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of uh, so we have one repeat customer that is always borrowing from us. They like the speed of our mm-hmm. uh of our financing. Uh, which is why uh, they they for us rather than banks. Banks take you know three months. We can take two weeks to do it. Sure, um, sure. So it's it's been um, it's been pretty good. So yes. So those uh, I'd say about eighty percent of them are ex- exporters actually for the invoice financing on 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 our platform. Okay, I'd I'd have to imagine if a bank is going to take three months, the invoice may be paid by the time you end up getting getting <laughs> exactly, the document yeah, signed, yeah, yeah. unless they're willing exactly. to set up some sort of revolving facility, which I imagine is is probably much longer of a time period. Exactly, I think it's the first a uh, first uh, credit checking take three months. Hopefully okay. after that, but yeah. And do you do you, so? So you mentioned that the typical is to do eighty percent of whatever that receivable, uh, whatever that invoice is, is is that kind of ratcheted up and down depending upon what the what the perceived risk 
comes out at, do you go do you go lower and say, hey, I'll lend you forty percent of that invoice? Um, yeah, is it fixed? So I'll, it's normally fixed at eighty percent. Mm. Um, uh, we don't do more than that. If it goes lower, it's a case by case basis, really. But we always stick it at eighty percent. Okay, but that that's the rule of thumb. Eighty eighty percent is is what it comes out at. Yeah, that's right. Okay. 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 Very, very cool. And any, any other features that you guys have come out with based, based upon what your customers have been asking for? Yeah. Um, that's, that's it at the moment. We are looking to launch a new product called, um, MicroLeap social financing. So it's going to be kind of donation, donation based, uh, lending into, uh, micro enterprises and, um, uh, Islamic charities that that kind of need uh, this kind of business financing. Um, so instead of like how market works, you 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 land or invest in a company, you get um, your profit rate uh, uh, back. This time you're looking at um, impact or social impact returns rather than monetary returns. Mm. So our platform will soon be um, uh, looking at measuring the impact of your donation and how it helps them. Uh, really grow so we're building that at the moment so hopefully that goes live uh in april or may and let me ask you on that one because the with the with the invoice financing it was quite clear that the that the push towards getting into that was investor demand for shorter term shorter duration financing products when it comes to this is it the same investor demand that's driving this product innovation as well no this is a bit different the social financing is actually the borrower demand Wow. So, yeah, we've spoken to some to charities uh, and some foundations, the Yayasans uh, in mm-hmm. Malaysia, and they said, yeah, there's something new that we really help us, especially when they have a whole, uh, you know, small kind of uh, micro enterprises or even nano enterprises that want anywhere up to 20,000 ringgit just to start their business kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and they, they are um, uh, uh, encouraged to pay back the financing. But because it's a donation, it's not as strict. If they don't pay back, we know that you know we're not going to chase them and put them on a uh, on our credit bureau saying they haven't paid back. But you know we sure. we want them to we want them to pay back because what happens when they pay back into this platform, it doesn't go back to the donor. It it gets relent to other beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of perpetuates the Islamic concept of charity, which is what we're trying to do with, with this with this platform. Okay. Okay. And um, have you started gauging your your the 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 investor demand for for being and putting capital in this in this type of donation? Yeah, so we started we're starting to look around. Um obviously we want to tie up with 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 banks who have um this kind of social financing push that Bank Nagara wants them to do. Mm-hmm. Um so we hopefully these they will be one of the biggest institutional do- donators or funders on the platform. Okay. Um, and then we look at uh, high net worth individuals and corporates who have a CSR push. Um, sure. Is how we want to target our investor or donator donor base. Okay. Let Let me ask you a question. This is the, perhaps this is coming as a foreigner, not knowing the the intricacies of the tax law. But is yeah. is, is there is there tax benefit of giving donations as well, where I can deduct that against my my balance at the end of the year? And so what it has as a platform, uh, we are in the process of applying for it, but doesn't mean we'll get it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, other uh, what what the only time you can get get it 
kind of tax deductible is if the end um, borrower, say the charity organization, um, they have a tax deductible uh, piece of paper, then the donations on our platform will be tax deductible against your taxes. Okay. Okay. But that's, that's, uh, that sounds like a bit of a challenging process to go through to actually be able to to do it. Okay. Okay. And one other thing, Uh, if if I'm not mistaken, you offer micro insurance on your platform as well. How did, how did that come about as a, as an offering? Yeah. So when we first started uh, MicroLeap, we didn't want to just be the ones who just gives credit or gives that loan. And that's the end of it. Um, what we do is one, we provide free personal accident insurance up to 50,000 ringgit. Mm-hmm. So every single microfinancing um, entity that gets uh, uh, financed through our platform gets this free personal accident insurance. And for many, it's their first actual insurance product that they've ever had. So mm-hmm. we want to kind of push uh, insurance to all these kind of micro enterprises and, and small businesses. Um, but two, we also do uh, training. Uh, online video training. So for every single financing, um, for, sorry, for every single microfinancing, they get um, video tutorials on basic debt management, uh, bookkeeping, what is P2P. And that, these are all online videos, which they have to pass for them to get the, the funds. So not only so that people see us, there's not just a, a lending platform. We're increasing microinsurance, increasing mm-hmm. financial literacy, uh, and doing it in a shark compliant way. So that's kind of our ethos. Very cool. Very cool. And do you have a an insurance partner that's that enables you to be able to offer the that pro the product? Yeah. So we we looked around and we found um uh one insurance company that could do that's kind of micro insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh it was hard to find. There's only one uh, at, at that time, only one insurance partner that was doing it. Uh, but thankfully through them, we were able to do this at something that was affordable, um, that we can absorb that cost. Okay. 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 Very interesting. And and so as you're, as you're building this all up, uh, let me, let me ask you on the team side, um, what are, what are the how do, how does the team structure in in your organization? How heavy is the 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 credit side versus the tech side? So the tech side, we have our CTO. Um, and he, he has the company that built the platform. So it's not exactly in-house tech mm-hmm. uh, per se, uh, but um, the we do have, the, the, the owner is our CTO, uh, but it's not it's not part of my colleague. So whenever we do want things done, we do have to pay for it, you know, change requests, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But having him as our CTO makes it quicker. So turnaround time is quicker than it, it would be if we just completely outsourced it, mm-hmm. um, but won't be as quick as if it was in-house. Um, so, uh, so the techs, um, he has a team of, uh, eight people under him. So okay. on my clips book is just one person. Um, on the upside, we have, uh, a team of four who does operations. Um, and one person does credit, uh, on, on, is on the credit side. Um, another person is on collections. Um, and then we have our C-suite. So all in all is about, uh, 13 of us in terms of, 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 of manpower. Okay, pretty slim team, yeah? Yeah. Slim and, you, and really leveraging on technology as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with, within, within your ops team, for, 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 for those folks, they come from a traditional ba- banking background or how, how did you get them familiar with the space? Yeah, 
Um, majority of them comes from a kind of trustee and in, in investment management background. Mm. Um, uh, and then others are uh, people who are who brand new um, kind of uh, graduates who want to try something new. Um, nothing in, in fintech or technology, but just wanted something new. So um, and they were very keen to to embed. But the majority of the of them were from a asset management operations background and okay. trustee background. Okay. And so when you when you look forward, you know, uh, you know, the 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 Sharia compliant market is quite big in Malaysia, obviously, but uh, outside of Malaysia, there's a very large market as well. How do you view that when you when you are thinking about MicroLeap and what the future holds? Yeah. So obviously, we look at places that um, one. Uh, uh, that has the same kind of Sharia philosophy as ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use Commodity Morabaha to make our Sharia compliant loans uh, Sharia compliant. Um, certain countries may not see that as as an actual tool to, to be used. Mm-hmm. For example, Saudi Arabia doesn't exactly uh, like Commodity Morabaha, um, but other countries do. So when we look around of where we want to expand, that's one of the things we want to know is how easily can we replicate what we are doing now to this other to the next place so okay. we, we are looking around and, and see where 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 we would fit i think that will be something interesting for the people that are listening in that that, that it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all that shariah com, shariah compliant can mean different things in different places yeah correct very very true is the is the difference dramatic or is it kind of finer details just out of curiosity um it's it's finer details and it's just how you would have to set up your operations and and how you do the actual financing so the other ways to uh to make it share compliant the easiest way is always commodity more baha um mm-hmm. but there's always uh profit sharing um in terms of if they're making a loss they don't have to pay back the funds but if they're making profit then only they start paying the funds mm-hmm. um it's a bit. It's a. It's a harder pill to swallow for many of the lenders. You know who sure. who lend something and then oh, this year they're not going to get paid, but next year they will. So it's 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 kind of hard to to really find the the the, the right the right base. Yeah, I, I I've I've never been on that side, but I've been in enough uh, financing and accounting tables to where I know how people can manipulate the numbers in order to show that there's no profit if they wanted to show that there's no <laughs> yeah. profit. Uh, so that's that right. that's, that seems like that could be a little bit of a slippery slope when it comes to yeah. uh, uh, the trust factor and the credit scoring. Very true. Very true. Okay, but for uh, so so for the foreseeable future, are you focusing solely on the Malaysia market? Is that where you see uh, the the next stages of growth for you to remain? So yeah, so this year definitely focus on on Malaysia because Malaysia is still untapped. Mm. Um, you, you see all the other P2P operators, majority are in the Klang Valley and just focus on Klang Valley. Sure. Um, Micro was actually the first to have a borrower in each state of Malaysia, mm-hmm. um, which I was like, wow, everyone's really focused on Klang Valley. So. We want to really go up and down the country, which is why we want to expand in. Uh, we're trying to look for sales manager in like Penang, Sabah. Mm. Uh, we have one in Sarawak in, in Johor now. So we were, we're pushing pushing that along. Um, but having said that, if there's, a, uh, there's an opportunistic uh, deal that comes along, then yes. So right now we're, we're in discussions with, with someone in Uzbekistan. So Uzbekistan is very raw and new, uh, very high interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, the interest rates are 30% per annum for, uh, for a loan, uh, which is crazy. 
Sure. Malaysia, the maximum you can learn is 18% per annum. So that's that's a huge gap. Yeah. Uh, so they're in dire need of some kind of fintech platform that will help bring that down and make it easier for them to get financing. Um, so uh, we're looking at a joint venture in in in, in Uzbekistan. Uh, the guy okay. was actually an ex-colleague of mine in, in in a bank that I used to work. So that's that's how it all happened. Um, okay. So we're in the process of of getting that launched. So hopefully by end of the year, you know, my colleague will have have a JV partner in Uzbekistan. So that'd be our first you know overseas um, foray, which is that, very exciting. That would be very us. interesting. That would be very interesting. Once upon a time, uh, a, a fund that I worked at, we had a a fund domiciled in in Uzbekistan. Did, oh, did did well, but we were never able to expatriate the 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 money out of the country because of the capital control. So oh, just uh, something to watch out for, I guess, when you when you pursue yeah. that path. Yeah, yeah. thanks for <laughs> that. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 be that became a, a bit of an issue, and we had some like international financial institutions that had backroom pull and still nothing. Um, wow. But yeah, that, I I think. I think it sounds like a really interesting avenue, just something to yeah. be concer- cautious of if, if some of the Malaysian investors want to invest there. Uh, perhaps exactly. there could be challenges yeah. in re- in regards to pulling it back yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, very, very interesting. So this, this, is this going to entail you hopping on a plane and visiting the country? Yeah. I mean, we once we sign and we get further down, then we'll have a look. Um, but yeah. So uh, right now, everything's been on like uh, virtual calls and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, looking forward to going to Uzbekistan. Never been there. So it's it's like, well worth the travel if you can. The old Silk Road, a lot of history, really interesting place exactly. uh, to to visit, yeah. and some good food as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So okay, very very interesting, very interesting. So any anyway, so focusing on Malaysia, you're talking about going across across the country. You're in East Malaysia, getting in Penang, down in Johor. Um, yeah. how much emphasis are you putting? Uh, obviously, you know, Penang, Johor, Klang Valley, the, these are like the, the, the commercial centers uh, of the country. Um, how much opportunity do you see out of kind of like the Eastern coast area from, you know, Taraganu on down? Yeah. So that's also another place that we were looking to do. Uh, um, so hopefully once we get someone in Penang, um, then that will cover the northern states. Um, mm-hmm. And we see more demand in Klantan and Trungganu and Pahang, which we do have some um, borrowers out there. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm particularly looking for investors. Then we will get someone else to to cover those kind of places. Um, so it'll, it'll be it's part of our growth trajectory, uh, growth trajectory, which is what we're looking at, uh, mm-hmm. and we will soon have them as well. Okay. Do you find that some of the investors are more interested in 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 lending to borrowers that are near their home area to where they feel a little bit more connection? I'm helping this individual that is in my neighboring yeah. town, that sort of thing. Yeah, they they some of them do feel that. Uh, that's why on our investment note, uh, where it shows a little bit about the borrower, we always mm-hmm. have a, a field which state they're from. Mm-hmm. Um, we find in Malaysia that people are very proud of their state, and you know, if someone is there, then they will definitely lend, uh, lend, lend to those kind of uh, local kind of state, sure. state entities for sure. And a lot of people in Klang Valley are not actually from Klang Valley, so they're exactly, from all over yeah, the place. If, you, if, you, if there was more coverage from some of these other places, who, who knows? It'd be interesting to see how the uptick is from the investors. Like, exactly. oh, wow, finally you got more people from Mahong. I'm, I'm, fr- I'm yeah. from the same town, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, they, they definitely would love that. 
Okay, yeah. very interesting. Uh, a, a bit of an open-ended question for you. Um, how do you define success as an organization? When when you're operating towards a future goal, how how do you define success as an organization? For me, uh, success is for my group to be known um, a lot more throughout Malaysia and, and regionally. So people know that when they say my clip, oh, that's P2P Shire uh, financing, you know, um, kind of having that um, kind of gravitas when you go to meetings, oh, I'm, I'm my clip. So, oh, okay, you're that big P2P financing platform. So for us, it's to to have our name known that it's synonymous with with our product. So my clip, you think Shire compliant P2P financing for that. It's like when you like in Malaysia, when you when you ask for toothpaste, you never you never say toothpaste. You say, do you have any Colgate? So if I can be synonymous with, with shark compliance, P2P financing, that'd be great. You know, <laughs> um, that will be ultimate success for me. So, you know, let's let's invest in 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 my colleague instead of P2P uh, shark compliant P2P financing. Yeah, and ends ends up being on both sides. Some 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 high net worth individuals talking to each other. Why don't Why don't you just buy some micro leap? You you see some exactly, SMEs yeah. around. Oh, you you need cash? Just get a micro leap. Exactly. That be that be the ultimate success for me. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> this 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 has been fantastic. But let let me wrap up here with my standard closing questions that I ask everyone. Uh, and the and the first one is: What is a tech tool that you just cannot live without? Um, for me, the tech tool I'd say is our um, our CRM tool. So we use HubSpot. Uh, one is free at the moment, so it's great at the moment. Uh, and that just tells, at the moment, yeah, I don't know if they're going to change it. So you look at HubSpot and it tells you, um, you know, who our sales managers have been speaking to, mm-hmm. uh, what what the conversation is, um, and kind of things like that. So. So, so my son has decided to come in. <laughs> so that is HubSpot for me is very key. So I know that people are doing their jobs uh, around my network and our sales manager and our, and our marketing people. So okay. HubSpot is very key, 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 key for me. Okay. Okay. And last question here. If you were to talk to another startup founder that's just getting going, what would be the biggest yeah. piece of advice that you could offer? Uh, for us, really get your product market fit well. Um, you know, know do your research beforehand. Like, uh, who are your users? Like for us, we 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 interviewed potential lenders and potential borrowers and see does this platform something you really want? Uh, once you build enough um, information, then only you start thinking of building your platform or, or getting into the business that you want. But always have that data in front of you before you make a decision. For me. Okay, that, that's 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 fantastic advice, Danny. Thank you very much for being here. Really yeah, enjoyed this conversation it. with you. Yeah, thank you. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of the Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Rockland from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.